0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. By faith, I believe this microphone is on, and there it is. There it is. Excellent. Welcome, everybody, to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. Now, you here in the room, you know you're in Plano, hopefully. You knew you were in Plano. And so why, why say Redemption Church in Plano, Texas? Because you wonderful folks that are joining us online... You have no idea, one moment you're watching a cat video, Uh and the next moment you're here at Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. We're so glad to have you with us. We are in our fourth series, the fourth story of our long story, short sermon series. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I believe God has something for everyone today. Can you say real quick, I believe God has something for me? Now, if it's not too awkward, you might just go go one of these things, like someone nearby and go, I think God has something for you too. Just do one of those things. If you can make it a little more awkward, that's good. I think God has something for you too. I think God has something for you too, except for Hallie. Don't be awkward around Hallie. That's my friend Hallie, everybody. I already broke what I was going to, oh my gosh, forgive me. Excellent. Everybody, I'm so glad you're here. In week one, we talked about creation and how sin blessed everything. No, sin ruined everything. Sin was bad. And all the mess that's still in the world is because of sin. sin. Very good. In week two, we talked about two brothers, Tom and Jerry. No. no, what were their names? Two brothers. Cain and Abel. Thank you so much. Gosh, I should have helped y'all write this sermon. Y'all, kids, y'all should have helped me write this sermon because I forget this stuff. Cain and Abel and how blood was necessary To cover our sin. Blood is necessary to cover our sin. And then week three we talked about Noah. A single man that God used to save the world. There's a common thread that runs through your Bible. Do you know what it is? Or better, do you know who it is? John 5 39. Jesus says these words. They're in red in your Bible. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them... You have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Hashtag long story short. Hashtag it's all about Jesus. Now we're going to jump into our sermon today. Kids, are the kids with me today? Kids, do you have your sermon notes right in front of you? I love to reward kids. We went and bought brand new prizes. For kids who turn in their sermon notes. Are you gonna turn in those sermon notes today? Very good. PA is real excited about it back there. Excellent. If adults, if you want sermon notes, we can get them to I'm not even kidding, we can get those to you right back there. Just wave your hand right now if you nobody's waving. Okay, just make it sure. There we go. All right, here we go. Here it is, right here. God used a single man to fill the world. That's the story of Adam. Going to be fruitful and multiply. God used a single man to do that. And God used a single man to then to save the world from the judgment of the flood. Name that man. His name was Noah. Noah. And now God is going to use a single man to bless the world. Who knows that guy's name? It's Abram. Or you must know him as Abraham. We're going to turn together in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read one through three. The Lord had said to Abraham, go to Abram. Sorry, I'll make that mistake a few times. Said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I want somebody to say the word bless. Bless. Now I want you to say the word promise. We're going to talk about promise right here. What God does in this verse is called a promise. Right? Kids, y'all know what a promise is, right? Y'all use it on me all the time in the fluid house. But dad, you promised you were going to take us to the card shop and buy Pokemon cards. God, Dad, you promised that we were going to go to Six Flags this weekend. Dad, you promised. Everybody knows hopefully what promise means. It means that a vow that something's going to happen. God makes a promise right here in these three verses to a man named Abram. Two things I want you to notice. Two focuses of this promise are what Abram will do. All Abram is to do in this scenario is to go and trust. Go and trust God. That is part of this promise. Then two is what God will do. And what will God do in this this promise? He says, I will bless you and I will bless the world through you. You are going to be so blessed that people that bless you, they're going to be blessed. And people that curse you, man, they're going to wish they hadn't done that. That's what God says. I want you to know that God, his promises are true. But God usually has a call to action. Everybody say call to action. In fact, I would tell you, God always has a call to action. Do you want God to speak to you today? Some of you did. All right. I'll try it one more time. You can nod if you're worried about talking in church. That's okay. Does, do do you, do you want God to speak to you today? All right, good, good job, good job. I want to tell you, God will speak to you today, but God will always include a call to action when he speaks to you. God has never spoken to me, nor anyone in the Bible, and just patted them on the back and said, you're doing fine. Just keep what you're doing. Just do it exactly how you're doing it. Find that in the scripture. It is not in the scripture. No, he shows up and he says, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to say this. I want you to stop doing this. That's the whole Bible, y'all. God always has a call of action and it always includes faith. Somebody say faith. God always has a plan to bless you and a plan to bless others Through you. Through the act of faith. But I got a question here. And I don't really have an answer for it. But I'll ask it anyway. Why Abram? God just starts this conversation. With the guy named Abram. Why? Why Abram? Is is Abram the only person on the face of the planet? No. So why did God approach this guy. Over everybody else. This one guy. Why does he choose him. To bless him and to bless the world through him. Is Abram perhaps the smartest guy in the world? Is that it? Is he the Elon Musk of the ancient world? Is that it? No, No, I don't think so. Is he just way talented? This guy is just so talented. You should hear him play the accordion. No, that's not it. We have no scripture that says Abram was very talented. He had mad skills that were straight up fire everyone else was mid but he was incredibly gas sorry y'all aren't as hip with me and the language alright maybe he had a large TikTok following who thinks Abram had a large TikTok following anybody no that's not it how about he had youthful potential maybe he was just a young whippersnapper that was just had a lot of potential nope that's not either maybe he was perfect maybe he was sinless no Genesis 12 and 4. This is the very next verse. It says, So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he started out for Har- uh, from Haran. How old was he? God chooses to start This relationship with this guy at the age of 75. God decides to start this great plan with a guy that's 75. So it wasn't that he was youthful and he had a large life in front of him. No, he was 75 years old and God chose him anyway. Also, I want you to notice this. Who does he take with him? Do we have that verse up? The Lord. And Lot. Everybody say Lot. 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 Lot, say it a lot, lot. lot, lot. This is verse 4, right? Verse 1 through 3 was the promise. And there was two focuses of it. Do you remember? One of them was, Abram, trust me and obey me and just go. Right? In verse 4, his immediate response is to disobey God. Did you catch that? Can you bring up verse... uh, Verse 1 again. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. From your country, your people. Lot is his people. And Lot is his father's household. It's his nephew. So God gives this promise to this guy. I'm telling you, God did not choose Abram because he was perfect and he always obeyed. Because he immediately did the dunderheaded thing and disobeyed what God said. It's right in the very next, we're not even talking next day, next year. We're talking the very next words that the Bible tells us is, yeah, not so much. Abram didn't do what God asked him to do. So why Abram? Why Abram? What is this about? I want to tell you, the Bible does not tell us why God chose Abram. Not even close. It doesn't tell us why. I would tell you that it is not about Abram, but it is about God's goodness. God spoke to Abram, not because Abram was good, but because God was good. Will God talk to you today? Oh, you don't understand. I'm not a good person. God talks to you because he's good Not because we are good. Is there a witness in here that that when you aren't good, God still reaches for you. When you aren't good, God still speaks to you. God still has plans for people that are messed up people. And even though Abram breaks the agreement by bringing his nephew immediately, God remains faithful to his promise. God is faithful even when we are not faithful. Jesus. So why Abram? Well, let's switch it on to you. Why you? Why would God choose you? What's what's up with you? Why would God choose you? Yes. Are you big brain? You got big brain? Is that you? you really smart? Big brain? Is that you? Is that why God would talk? Maybe it's talent. Is that it? Why do you think God would you? Are you insta-famous? Do you have a lot of followers on social media right now? Is that is that why God would choose you? Are you young and Incredibly good looking. Is that why God would choose you? How about this? You're perfect and sinless and you never mess up. None of that's true. Somebody say amen. None of that's true. Especially the young and good looking part. Just like Abram's story story is all about God's goodness. Your story is all about God's goodness. Your story is all about God's goodness. If God speaks to you today, it's not because you earned it. If God speaks to you today, it's not because you're good looking. It's not because of the the good uh, smelling spray you put on yourself before you came today. No, it's not about your goodness. It's about his goodness. I want to talk to you. I want to introduce you to the other half of the Abram team. It's Abram and Sarai. Abram and his beautiful wife Sarai, they begin to travel just like God had told them. Both characters are important to this story. Sarai is important because men are not the only ones that are important in God's story. I'll say it again. Men are not the only ones that are important in God's story. And God shows that through Sarai. So pay attention. Two quick stories that we actually don't have time to cover. Here's the very short, short version. One, Sarai is so beautiful that two times Abram worries that someone's going to kill him because she's so drop dead gorgeous. She's irresistibly beautiful. So what he does, he does not do a good job of trusting God. And he puts uh, matters in his own hands. And he lies to kings about who she is and he does not tell them that he is married to Sarai that's one story we don't have time to go into but it happens not once it happens twice and his son Isaac does the same thing interesting two Abram's nephew is kidnapped this is a story who knows who knows the story of Abraham pretty good just wave your hand at me all right I want to see if you know this challenge accepted here it goes Abram's nephew is kidnapped and the riches of Sodom and Gomorrah are stolen by an army. So Abram becomes a general, a war general and raises an army of 318 men and goes to war. And in the middle of the night, he defeats the army. He rescues Lot and all of the kidnapped people and all of the riches he He gets them all back. He defeats that enemy. No one's lost. And he returns every bit of it back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now wave your hand if you've never heard that one before. There are like a few honest people in here today. Thank you for that. That's a really great story. What is going on in that story? That's usually not the story we have preached about Sodom and Gomorrah, by the way. Abram was a blessing To everyone, even this kingdom, that had issues. Covenant promise. Say covenant promise. The word for covenant, it's a really important word. It's appeared one other time in our stories in the Bible so far. To the story of rainbow. The story of who in an ark? Noah. God made a covenant to not flood the earth again. And that word is berith. Berith. Somebody say berith. God made an unconditional promise to Abram in Genesis 12. And then in chapter 15, God makes a covenant, a bereave. And last time we talked about the covenant, it was with Noah. What is that covenant? Covenant is an alliance. It is a pledge. It is an agreement. We'll read about it. Genesis 15, 1 through 2. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I am childless? Since I remain childless. So God talks to Abram and then Abram talks back and he doesn't hold back here. Look at this this guy. Look at this guy named Abram. God talks to him and says, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your, and, your, and your great reward. And he says, well, what can you give me? Look at what Abram's doing here. What can you give me? Because I'm doing without. I don't have a child. What can you give me? What a blunt way to talk to God. Abram and Sarai have not been able to have children In this entire story. They've been following God. They've received promise of children. But nothing has happened. By the way. Abram started this journey when he was 75. Abram lets God know that he's upset. And he doesn't see this promise working. And he lets God know about it in the bluntest way. So how do you think God responds to such a blunt attitude? Do you think God just... Gets his, his hand and just goes, what are you talking about? Abram? Do you think God throws a lightning bolt at him? Do you think God just opens up the earth for the earth to swallow? Now listen, a lot of people feel that way about God. Oh, I got a tiptoe around God. Oh my goodness, I'm worried about stuff. But I can't say that I'm worried about stuff because if I say I'm worried about stuff, then that's not faith and I'll disappoint God. And if I disappoint God, I probably will go straight to a bad place. There are people all over churches with that very attitude. But I want to show you Abram talking very bluntly to God and says, I don't know about this plan. What can you give me? What could you give me? You want to be my reward? You want to be my my shield God? What could you even give me? I don't have a child. So how does God respond? Here it is. Verse 5. God took him outside and said, look up at the sky.'" And count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him. So shall your offspring be. God took him outside. Have you ever ever walked out and just been blown away by the stars out there? Have you ever foolishly tried to count the stars? I stopped really quick. Because I'm terrible at counting. No it's really amazing to see the tapestry of the night sky God brings him to that and says that's your offspring your offspring are going to be like that you will not be able to count them so how does God respond when we're blunt and we we don't really trust him in love he he comes to us and he says let me show you something If you're worried about something today, if you're like, if you've had the attitude of, what can you possibly do for me, God? I've got this problem in my life. What God would tell you today is, come with me for a moment and look up. I want to show you something and I want to reveal something to you today. And you are sitting in the room with people who've had that moment with God where they were disappointed, where they were sad, where they were crestfallen, where they were depressed, where they felt lost. But God spoke to them and they looked up and they saw a brand new future. God told Abram, I'm going to give you children like the stars in the heaven. But let's be real. That's impossible. Just real. That that is physically impossible God. Right? Let's think about it for a moment. Because why? Why is it physically impossible? Well, Because Abram and Sarai are both old. Real old. Somebody say real old. old. Almost as old as Pastor Flewitt. That old. It's crazy. And here's the other reason. They have never had any success in the past. Not even close. So they're old. They've not been able to do anything yet. And then third. They can't have a single child. And so now, God, how are you going to expect us to believe a promise for more children than we can count the stars in the sky? Do you see this issue? God, I would have just taken you give me one. You are promising like the moon, and I don't think it's possible. But here's the wild thing. It's the very next verse, verse 6. Here's how Abram responds. Abram believed the Lord. Can you say those four words? Abram believed the Lord. That's how you should respond to God when he speaks to you. It's not, no, let's get real. That's not always how we respond to God. Come on, somebody. That's not how we always respond to God. Sometimes it takes me a little while to get to that place. But somehow here, something supernatural happens to this guy who just told God to like step off for a moment. Because what could you possibly give me? And God says, come look. And he says, Abram, believe the Lord. I don't know how you walked in today. You might be like, step off God when you walked in. But you could walk out here entirely different. Yes. And then the second half is really neat. Jesus. Abram believed the Lord and God credited it to Abram as righteousness. So we'll talk about that for one second. Without any proof, Abram believed the Lord. What's another word for believe, everybody? Somebody help me. Somebody say it louder. Faith. F-A-I-T-H. It's the word faith. That's a word you should have in your notes, kids. Faith is another word for believe. Can you believe like Abram believed? Can you believe in things that you haven't seen yet? Can you believe the Lord when he promises something that's impossible? Can you do that? Can you believe God for love? I'm telling you, that's a miracle when it shows up. Can you believe God for peace even when you're in a storm? Can you believe God for joy even when you've lost something? Can you believe God for salvation? That's impossible. You don't see that. Who has seen the cross? None of us. We're in the exact same situation as Abram. We've not seen anything. But can you believe in salvation? How about can you believe in victory over death? Even though you haven't seen it. Can you believe in heaven? This is the situation of Abram. Abram believed the Lord. And then the Lord counts it. Credits him as righteous. Abram made mistakes. Abram disobeyed. Abram lied. Abram was a sinner. But God saw his faith and then God gave Abram his own righteousness. Are sinners righteous? No. But if God credits them with righteousness, they are righteous. If God says you're righteous, don't you dare argue against it. You are righteous. And this lying, disobedient, weird guy named Abram. God says, that guy's righteous because of his faith. He believed the Lord. I want to tell you that you can have God's righteousness, but only through faith. We also make mistakes. We're also disobedient. We're also sinners. But when God sees our faith, he credits righteousness to us. Who knows that's true? Genesis 15 verse 7 now says this, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So God's saying, I'm going to give you a land. I'm the very one that called you out of your hometown Ur. Anytime you have bad feelings about your hometown, because it sounds weird like Waco. <laughs> hometown, hometown. Hometown. At least it's not err. Everybody said err. All right. And then verse 8. But, God, but Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, I hear you. But how? How can I know that I will gain possession of it? How can I know that what you say is true? Abram's just all over the road here. Verse by verse. Do you see this? Abram's like, what a wonderful promise. I'm going to bring my, my nephew anyway. He's like, I'm going to follow the Lord. And I'm going to lie to anybody who asks about my wife. Right? And then God's going to say, I'm your shield and your reward. And it's like, what could you possibly give to me? And then right here, God gives him righteousness. And he says, yeah, but how can I even trust you? Abram is all over the place. This is good news for me. Because I'm all over the place. Anybody all over the place, there's hope for you. Look at somebody that's all over the place. place. It's everybody. Say, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. Jared, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. All over the place, people. How can I know? So this is a lot like, you know, God, what can you even give me? And God shows him the stars. Now, verse 9, so the Lord said to him, bring me a cow, a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove, and a young pigeon. And I'd be like, if I were him, I'd be like, what kind of magic trick is this going to be? Yeah. He's going to pull something out. I don't know. It's wild. So God promises Abraham the land of Israel. But Abram's his response is, how can I even know? How can I even know? Trust. There's a big difference between faith and knowing, by the way. And then God's response to that, it gets weirder. He asks for animals. Go get some animals. Go rob a zoo and come back to me. This, and it, in other words, he's saying, this is how you can trust me. Bring me these animals. And everybody say, that's kind of weird. Warning, this part of the story is kind of weird. All right. Y'all stick with me. Verse 10. Abram brought all these to him and cut them. What did he cut? The animals. This still kind of makes my heart go a little, ah. Uh, because I like animals. Anybody like animals? Yeah. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. So imagine those, that, that goat right in half and that, that heifer right in half, right? And so the right in half and then they are arranged in halves. Everybody picturing that, right? Try not to be too gruesome with your imagination here. I want to ask you, why would God do this? Why would God do this? How does this show Abram that God's promises are true? Remember the question that this is a response to is, how can I know this is true? And God says, I want you to dismember some animals. All right, God, just go with it. We'll go with it for a moment. But that's the story, right? All right. Don't look at me like, why are you talking? This is Abraham here. We can't ignore this story. What is this supposed to teach us? Think about that for a moment. What is that supposed to teach us? I want you to say this word, cut. Cut. He cut those animals in two and arranged them in two, facing each other. I want to remind you that God's covenant promise is the word berith. Everybody say berith. berith. Berith is the Hebrew word for covenant. And you know it means to cut. It comes from the word, etymology of the word to cut. There is something about covenant, I don't know if we'll ever completely understand tonight. But it has something to do with Cutting. It has something to do with a painful thing. Yeah. This cutting is symbolic of covenant in this story. Now this was an ancient custom. I mean so ancient it's, it's way past the 1990s. It's yeah. that old everybody. It's ancient. We're talking thousands of years ago. And this an ancient custom. God used it to demonstrate promise keeping. But how exactly is it supposed to demonstrate it? In the ancient custom of cutting covenant. Can you say those two words? Cutting covenant. Someone would make a promise. And then they would cut the animal in half. They're saying my promise will cost me something. And so they take their animal. They cut it in half. And they lay those two pieces out. This is the ancient custom. And then they walk Between the two animal pieces. This is how it worked in the ancient world. And what was this saying? It was saying, if I do not keep my promise, may may I be like this animal who has been cut in half. That's how the promise works. That's That's the bottom line of what the word covenant means. If I don't keep my promise, may this cost me much more than the animal I just gave. May I be the very one that is cut in half if I do not keep my promise, my covenant. Somebody say, yeah, if you're kind of getting it. Now say, yeah, if you still feel weird about it. That's all right. That's okay. We don't live in the ancient world, so it is weird to us. It is very weird to us. Who Here, cut an animal in half today. No one raised their hand. I prayed that that would be the case. I prayed that that would be the case. All right, has anybody seen my cat? All right, oh, Genesis 15 and 17. When the sun set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed. Between the pieces. Pieces of what? Pieces of animals. The two halves. So what two things appear? A smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. So what's this? Somebody say, I don't know. It's okay if you don't know. That's why we're talking about it. What's happening is this. Again, God is communicating through ancient understanding. If he were talking to you today, if you were Abram today, he would be talking completely different and use probably different uh, symbols here than a fire pot and a blazing torch. You'd probably have a smartphone going through it or something, right? I doubt it, someone said. Sometimes, sometimes we don't understand the symbols and the meaning of scripture because we are not in an ancient mindset. And that is why blood, sacrifice, and the death of animals are a part of scripture. And why it seems so weird to us today. Because we're not in that ancient mindset. Jesus died nearly 2,000 years ago. That's ancient. This story we're talking about is thousands of years before that. So we don't have this ancient mindset. So yeah, it is weird to us. But God still has something To show us in this story. I want you to know that Abram got it. Abram understood it. Because God knew how to talk to Abram. In his ancient mindset. But we in the year 2023. We got to do a little searching. And we got to search. And ask God for his wisdom. Here's the deal. We'll just come out and tell you. Here's what happens. God himself appears. As that fire pot. And God himself appears as that blazing torch and God himself walks between the two halves of the covenant that these are what you call a theophany that's too big of a word for kids it's a word theophany it's a theological term it's a big big brain a bible term that means a temporary manifestation of God it's God temporarily revealing himself in a visual way and God chooses a fire pot and a blazing torch to reveal himself to Abram and to walk between the two halves of this cut covenant. The smoking pot, what does it mean? It means provision. 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 All your food in the ancient world would come out of a pot. When God walked through there as that smoking pot, it was God saying, this is my provision. And the blazing torch, what does that represent? That represents the fire of his presence. That represents his very presence walking through that covenant. In other words, remember, cutting the covenant meant to say, If I am not good on my promise, may I be like this animal. This is what God's saying. If I don't prove to be a faithful provider, may I be like this cut animal. If my presence does not walk with you, may I be like this cut animal. That's the promise. That's the covenant he makes with Abram. In Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant, a cutting with Abram. Fast forward, God himself changes the name of Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. Very good. God makes it clear that his covenant promise is with both Abraham and Sarah. He makes it with both of them because women are important to God's covenant promise. A woman can receive any promise of God that a man can receive. A a woman can be blessed in any way like a man can be blessed. God does not look at us differently in those regards. He died for both man and woman. He calls them both to his side. All right. I want us to know that. We feel that way. And sometimes when we're Reading the Old Testament, it's like man's story, man's story, man's story, man's story. And if you view that, you might come to the wrong conclusion that God doesn't care about the ladies. Ladies, God absolutely cares for you. And this very ultra important promise and covenant, God forms it with Sarah. Yeah. Fast forward now. And some more. <laughs> and Sarah and Abraham finally have a son. So we're fast forwarding. And that son's name is what? Isaac. Isaac. You know how old Sarah was when she had Isaac? 90 years old. 90. How old was Abraham? 100 years old. Oh my goodness. That's impossible y'all. But with God, nothing is impossible. And so they name the son Isaac. There's a great story about that. That story means. Uh, that, that name means laughter. Now Isaac is the son of promise. He is the promised son. He is the one that Abraham. Has received the promise for. From the very beginning of their relationship with God. And now he's here. This is a miracle. It's fulfillment of God's promise. It is the continued promise. Of the miracle covenant promise. That uh, Eve received back in Genesis 3:15 about her offspring and how it will defeat the enemy, and we know that that offspring ultimately is Jesus. Is. So what does God tell Abraham to do next? You've got this promised son. What happens next? And some of y'all know this story, so you know what's about to happen. Here it is, Genesis 22 and 2. Then God said, "Great news, Abraham, you've got this son. Here's what I want you to do. Take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him. That's what it says. Sacrifice him. There as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now wait a second. Because this is the very scenario of the animals that were just cut in half. They're cut in half and then they're put on a On on an altar as a burnt sacrifice. And now God is like that son that you always wanted. That son that you love. That son that brings laughter into your heart. I want you to take him. And I want you to do to him like that crazy, weird, ancient custom of cutting. Weird story, right? What's going on? going to be okay. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Why? Why would God do this? When you read your Bible, it comes up with a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions I have when I read the Bible. It's hard to understand, but God's always trying to teach us something. When you don't understand, pray about it a little bit. Wait on it a little bit talk about it a little bit because God has something that's worth your time Abraham and Isaac they travel up this mountain called Moriah quickly we'll read it Genesis 22 verse 7 Isaac spoke up yeah I bet and said to his father hey father yes my son Abraham replied the fire and the wood are here Isaac said but where is the lamb for the burnt offering we're going to sacrifice an animal right I don't see the animal around here Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. Verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. Isaac had to know what was going on, right? He starts tying him up. Son, I want you to lay here. I'm coming at you with rope. Eventually, you're going to know something's going on, right? Now, remember, Abraham's over 100 years old. He'd be pretty easy to run away from, right? But Isaac doesn't. He lays there. Allows himself to become the sacrifice. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now listen. The first time you read this story. The first time you heard this story. You were like what is it? You would not stop this story right here and go do something else no. right? It's captivating. I tell you. That, that's where we are in this story. This is captivating. If this ends how it looks like it's going to end. God. I'm not so sure about it. I want to tell you the same God who promised Abram was now asking him to climb a mountain. The same God who covenanted with Abraham and promised him offspring was now asking him to trust him with the life of his only son. And Abram, Abraham, he lifted up that knife. But then verse 11 happens. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven. Abraham. Abraham. Here I am. Abraham replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me. Your only son. Me your son. Your only son. Verse 13. Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket. What's another word for thicket? A bush with what? Thorns. thorns. Everybody say thorns. There in the thorns he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And everyone said, thank God. Abraham's son was saved By a ram, by a lamb who had his head in thorns. Who does that remind us of? Does anyone know a lamb who had thorns on his head? I'm telling you that Jesus was right when he said, it all testifies of me. This story completely, 100% testifies of me. And the weirdness that's in this story. The stuff that doesn't make us feel good about this story. The stuff about this story that worries us. And makes us question everything. Is the same way we feel about the cross. When we really look at it. And when we really see Jesus Christ. hanging from a cross. When we really see Jesus. Be brutally beaten. And destroyed upon that cross. We feel the very same way. Because the story of Abraham. And that son is the story of God and His Son. It is the same story. Jesus said, these scriptures testified of Him. Jesus is the Father's only Son who offered Himself as a sacrifice. Just as Isaac laid Himself out as a sacrifice, so does Jesus Christ lay Himself out as a sacrifice. Jesus is that son who had thorns on his head and was sacrificed. Mount Moriah is in the area of the city of Jerusalem. That's the very same city where Jesus died on a cross. On a mount called Calvary, Golgotha. Now many people think that Calvary is the same location of Mount Moriah. We are not certain. But it is so close to each other. It is in the same city area that we get the point, God. We get the picture, God, that this is the place you called Abraham to give his son. Because this is the place where God, 2,000 years ago, you gave your son. This whole story was meant to point us to the sacrifice of Jesus. Because Jesus died in our place, I'm going to ask our music team to come. I, stay right here with me, everybody. Our music team's coming, but you look right here. We're going to be drawn to a close. I want to talk to you about covenant and covenant breakers. Covenant and covenant breakers. All the Bible can see be seen through this idea of God's covenant and people breaking the covenant. That's like the whole Bible, right? You can't get through the first three chapters of your Bible without promise and people that don't keep the promise, right? And we're in the first few chapters of Genesis and already story after story is God making a promise and people not keeping it. You can look through the entire Bible. The entire Bible is a group of people not keeping the promise of God, Adam and Eve, could not keep the simple command and they should have died shouldn't they have we read that if you eat of the fruit you'll die they ate of the fruit they should have died but god spared them and sacrificed an animal cut that animal took its cloth took its fur and covered them covered their nakedness and shame adam and eve were covenant breakers but god remained true to his covenant even when they were covenant breakers mankind sinned so greatly that God had to send a flood but God found someone named Noah to make a covenant with and Noah got off the ark he cut a covenant with God Noah and his family weren't perfect they made mistakes but even though they could not keep the covenant perfectly God kept the covenant perfectly do you see it Now Abraham received a covenant. But he made mistakes. He lied. He was disobedient. He fouled it up a few times. He made more mistakes than we have time to cover. But God remained true to the covenant. Even when we don't remain true to the covenant. Remember that the cutting of the covenant is to point at the cut in half animal. And declare if I don't keep this covenant. May I be like the animal. Nod if you understand. Yeah. If I don't keep my promise. May I meet destruction. Yeah. Now I'll remind you. When he talked to Abram. Who walked between the cut halves. Was it Abram or was it God? It was God who walked through those halves. And God is saying. If I don't keep my covenant. May I be. May I experience destruction. May I experience death May I experience pain. May I experience a separation from life. That is what God said as he walked through that cut covenant. Now, listen. Did Adam and Eve keep the covenant or did they sin? They sinned. Did they die? No. Did Noah keep the covenant? No. No, not really. He, he failed. He failed. Was he doomed? Did he die? No, he lived. Did Abraham keep the covenant? No, nope. he and his son should have perished. We all are sinners worthy of death, the Bible tells us. Now listen. Did a man named Jesus keep the covenant? Perfectly. He's the only one that can say, I don't deserve to die. He's the only one that says, I don't deserve punishment and pain. Yet, he is the only one who did experience that. What did Jesus do? Jesus became our sacrifice and Jesus took on the punishment of the covenant breakers. The covenant breakers who deserve the pain and anguish of that. Jesus took that on himself. Jesus took that on himself. We should have been destroyed. But Jesus instead took our destruction. God always keeps his covenant. Even when we don't keep his covenant. God loves us enough to keep his covenant. But also God loves us enough. To take on the punishment. Of the covenant breakers. Do you see how he does both parts of this? There's two halves to this covenant. And he upholds both halves. He's the one who always keeps his promise. And he's also the one who pays our debt when we haven't kept his promise. God has done both. So how does that make you feel today? Does that maybe make you feel like you should spend some time with God and thank him for his promise? Does that maybe make you feel like you should spend some time and thank God for sending his son to you? Maybe you should spend the time thanking Jesus for the cross I want to tell you God always has a call to action. And it always includes faith. There's a call to action today and it's faith. There's a call to action today and it's faith. And just like Abraham he believed and it was credited to him righteous as righteousness. You can act in faith today. And it will be righteousness for you. I don't care what sins are in your life you could repent of them today and you could be made righteous. You could do something by faith today and God would see it as righteousness. We should believe like Abraham believed. We should pray and worship. So let's do that today. We're going to worship today. Why don't you stand? If you want to come for prayer, I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you today. Redemption, I want us to reach out in faith. I want us to act in faith. I want us to spend some time worshiping Him and thanking Him and declaring our belief in Jesus. As you're worshiping, you're declaring your belief in Him. His death, His burial, His resurrection. Come to faith today. Maybe someone in this house, you've never come to faith today. Today's your day. Today's your day. Why don't you just come forward by faith? Why don't you come forward today and say, Pastor, I want to believe in God for the first time today. We'll celebrate with you. We'll welcome you into the righteousness of God. Come on, let's reach out to God. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every person watching and listening online. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them and that you'd keep them and that you'd work in their life, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that faith would rise in them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would see you as the one who's made the promise, but the one who has also taken our punishment. Help us to see that in Jesus Christ today. Lord, we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's talk to God. Let's reach out to Him in Jesus' name. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.